fight. Yeah, nothing in the world to me seemed as exhilarating as a food fight. And that was my, a huge goal of mine as a child was to be involved in a cafeteria food fight. This is Growing Up Millennial, a podcast about all that media we loved in the 90s and the early aughts. I am Adri, one of your hosts, and a geriatric millennial who grew up in a tropical island. Today, I am joined by our one and only white man from our white man's corner, Seth Wilson, who I am contractually obligated to say is also my husband. Yeah, hi. (laughs) Anyway... This is our last episode, specifically recapping a movie starring the Olsen twins. That's right. No more singular piece of media content this season about the Olsen twins, Um, specifically a movie that they've starred in. Now, we will be having a little bit of a retroactive look back episode at the season with um, an award show situation. So. You know, keep your uh, ears peeled for that, I guess. Yeah. Ears open? Ears peeled? I don't know what that means. Anyway, (laughs) that being said, Helene couldn't join us today because she is sick, like, you know, all of us at some point during this uh, highly contagious season. So thank you, Seth Wilson, for joining me. Yeah, you're welcome. Get well soon, Helene. Yeah, please do. Can't do this without you. Anyway, this episode is all about It Takes Two, which was released on November 17th, 1995, and directed by Andy Tennant. So, what is this movie about, you may ask? It is the journey of two identical strangers who meet accidentally. One is an orphan named Amanda, and the other is a rich girl named Alyssa. Alyssa's father, Roger, decides to marry a real person, <laughs> for lack of a better word. You want to do a callback to last yeah, week? Yeah, last week. See when you it, in Tallahassee. Or... <laughs> See you next Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> named Clarice. Uh, so these two identical strangers switch so that they can get rid of her. And also, I feel like the rich girl Alyssa just wants to have a mother figure mm-hmm. so she really likes the character Christy Alley plays in this film yeah um and in the process Roger the uh cellular uh magnet meets Amanda's caseworker Diane who is the mother figure that I alluded to earlier yeah. it's pr- played by Christy Alley uh, I should say Roger is played by Steve Gutenberg who, you know, these are, like, this is, like, top cast billing for the 90s. Yeah. Christy Allen yeah. and Steve Gutenberg. And also the Olsen twins, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, that's the summary. Let's, before we get into our deep dive, let's go into our 411, where we discuss our trivia, uh, locations, notable people, which we kind of talked about already. Um, did you know, Seth, that Mara Wilson, who played Matilda, Mm-hmm. Uh, was considered for the roles of Amanda Lemon and Alyssa Calloway after Andy Tennant was, had seen her in Mrs. Doubtfire and Miracle on 34th Street. 
she was unavailable for this movie. So then they consider Christina Ricci. Okay. But she was also unavailable because she was doing Casper. Yeah, with Devin Sawa. Mm-hmm. It's an iconic movie from my childhood. Never saw it because my mom wasn't keen on us watching movies about ghosts, really. Really? Yeah. So does that mean that I now have the privilege and burden to show you Casper for the first time? I suppose. Man, that last scene with Devin Sawa was iconic. Don't spoil it. I mean, it's... Seth, I think you know already. Yeah. But come on. It's been out for almost 30 years. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> for the math? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, as we said earlier, Christy Alley played Diane. May she rest in peace. And Steve Grunberg was playing Roger. Um, now, the script was written by Deborah Deans Davis. And listeners of this show know, or should know, that I love to look at the writers for the each script and look what they've done so far after that, or even before. And this one did not disappoint at all. She um, was a writer for Cosmo magazine. Then she w- became a director for AFI. And she also like wrote 40 hours of pop icon TV, icon TV including three of the first 13 episodes of Knight Rider. Like, what? Oh, wow. Then uh, Paramount Pictures purchased two of her Cosmo articles to develop as feature films. Uh, Then she, like, dove into feature film writer. um, And she's, like, she became, like, kind of this prolific uh, screenwriter, which, like, she sold one movie, one uh, screenplay for $1.2 million. Oh, wow. Good for her. (laughs) So she was mentored by... Pete Bogdanovich, which is really awesome. Right? Um, And, like, she pitched Little Rascals 2, which, like, got her a job for, like, like a two-feature production for Universal. Like, Good for her. Um, She's, like, like, amazing. Anyway, my favorite part about this is, like, she got a random phone call right from jennifer gibbaugh and she was asked who asked her do you know anything about seven-year-old little girls and deborah like handed the phone to her own seven-year-old little girls (laughs) and that call morphed into it takes two which is like the olsen twins actually largest grossing feature film oh wow um and she's like she's still selling stuff because she uh, sold an, another original screenplay, Keeping House, to Neil Moritz at Original Films. Um, her spec daily special was optioned by Kat Lambert for Hot Flash Films. And it keeps on going about, like, she's, like, got this notable career. And she teaches at U- the USCLA Extension Writers Program. Um, and her chapter in Gotham Books, Cut to the Chase, Writing Feature Films with the Pros, has been singled out in Kirk's review as the chapter that shouldn't be missed. Hmm. Like, that's amazing. Good for, yeah, good good for, for her. her. Like, honestly, could she mentor me? Like, that's <laughs> that's all I want in life. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this was directed by Andy Tennant, who has also directed some movies that I really like. Yeah. Like Fool's Gold in 2008, Hitch in 2005, Sweet Home Alabama in 2002, and Ever After, A Cinderella Story with the one and only Drew Barrymore yeah. in 1998. Yeah. 
I've seen like, I've seen two of those movies. Which ones have you seen? Ever After and Sweet Home Alabama. You haven't seen Hitch or Fool's Gold? No. Okay. Well, listeners, that might change eventually. I'm not a Kevin James fan. Well, but you know, sometimes we must suffer for our art yeah. of podcasting. Okay. <laughs> anyway, let's dish. Let's go scene by scene as we usually do with our lovely Helene. But this time we just have the, you know, just white me. man's corner. Yeah. Here. Extended white man's corner. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we open our film with a baseball game happening on the street. Yeah. Stickball. Stickball, actually, yes. Which has, which sets up a few plot points for us. Mm-hmm. We learn that, uh, is it Amanda? Yeah. Okay. So Amanda is like definitely a sporty girl. Yeah. And then it cuts to like piano recital uh, footage, right? Yeah. But we mostly learn about Amanda and not... Alyssa. Alyssa first, right? So Amanda is our way in. Yeah. It's an audience. Yeah. So we learn she's sporty. She hates wearing dresses. Mm-hmm. And Diane, a.k.a. Christy Alley, is her caseworker at yeah. the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And she is an orphan, and she lives with a bunch of other kids who also are orphans. Yeah. That's what we learn in the establishing yeah, the scene. First thing, yeah. Then cut to private plane. We've got Alyssa deplaning. And so we get, like, the contrast of... These two girls look exactly the same, but Worlds they live apart. they live very different lives. Very princess and the prince and the pauper mm-hmm. type uh, situation, right? All right. So, what was your first response to this opening scene? Um, I had really fond memories of playing stickball, so I like to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you play stickball? No, but I played only like you know normal like with oh, regular baseball, yeah. Or like um kickball maybe. Kickball was yeah. Fun, yeah. Oh, I had really fond memories yeah. of kickball. Yeah, we I was played, so good at it. We, oh, I was too. We had four person stickball. It was my sister and I and then these uh my dad's best friend's sons. Mm-hmm. And so we had these really elaborate rules about like keeping track of who was on what base and batting order and stuff. So it's basically just Calvin ball. Well, we also learn that Amanda doesn't like wearing dresses because she has to go and wear a dress for this interview with a potential family that is looking to adopt, right? And the last name of this family, it is Chef's Kiss, but Kiss. Yeah. Ah, beautiful. And they live in Staten Island. Staten Island, home of the Wu-Tang Clan. (laughs) Protect your neck. Anyway, so one of the kids tell him like, "Oh, they like collect kids. You're definitely gonna get adopted. Like, but it's not something you really want." Yeah. Uh, which kind of we we get that from. Well, like, it's the weird because she's like, "Diane, why don't you adopt me?" And she's like, "They won't let me. I can't afford it." And meanwhile, like these people in Staten Island live in a duplex and have like a million kids, and like, how can they afford to have all these children? But Diane can't. Well, it's explained a little bit at the end, right? Like they rely on child labor yeah. to make a profit. So yeah, therefore, yeah. they make like a supposed decent living yeah. of child labor. Yeah, at the salvage yard. But also, um, I think this might have been like some kind of color commentary on like the 90s and like their laws about adoption. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of single people, um, especially like LGBTQ folks, weren't legally married, right? Because well, they yeah, couldn't, it was legal. 
So they couldn't adopt children. Like, single people, period, in the eyes of the law at that time, barely could adopt children, uh, let alone someone who doesn't make enough money (laughs) to do so. And that is still a problem, I believe. That, you know, that there's some discrimination against yeah, like, single parents. Because a lot of adoption agencies are, are run by or have connections to, like... Religious. Religious organizations. organizations. Yeah. yeah. Even if they get federal funding, you can't, like... You, you can't, like... Because... So when someone gets... So when an agency or a company gets federal funding, they're not supposed to use their religious beliefs to gatekeep services right but but <laughs> we all know how that, works. that doesn't mean that they you know that uh implicit bias hasn't found a way around it yeah you know yeah. all right so we 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 learn a lot like right off the jump mm-hmm. orphan is going to get like it's sporty she's gonna get adopted by this like family that hoards kids we've got you know Alisa Calloway being picked up from like her private jet. Yeah. <laughs> like there's like a whole arc about that. Um and so, so we see like a studying contrast, right? Yeah. Okay. So Alisa Alyssa meets the butt kiss. They're like gross people, <laughs> honestly. Like they say, Oh, isn't she the most precious thing? What a pretty little dress. And Alisa's like, uh-uh, nah. We're not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we meet we meet at the Callaway uh, you know, hangar, I guess. We meet is it Vincenzo? Vincenzo, yeah. Yeah. Vincenzo was like the family butler slash major domo kind of Roger's best friend? Question mark? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a relationship there. I like Vincenzo. I love Vincenzo. So Vincenzo tells Elise, Alyssa, you know, sorry, basically sorry your dad's not here to pick you up, but we're going to the country house. And she's like, Oh, we haven't been to this house well, in ages. No, no, no. no she, particularly, which one? Which one? Oh, I love this. Yeah. Oh, to be so spoiled. Right, Lake Minaqua. All right, so this house hasn't been used in a really long time. Not that you could tell. Well, when you have that kind of money, right? baby. Yeah. <laughs> baby. When you have that kind of money, you have someone live in it and care and yeah. be a t- caretaker, yeah. you know? Like I wonder if Taylor Swift has like contractor caretakers for her home. She probably does. Probably. Like all the rich people must. Anyway, um and she says, I think this house is going to be my favorite. And this is the house that is built on uh, land directly across from the lake, which hosts a camp for presumably orphans Ooh. or like children in need, organizations for children in need, in need um, who host like groups weekly, monthly. I'm not sure if we know how long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that camp is owned by the Callaway Foundation. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> founded, founded by Alyssa's late mother. Correct. Because, like, clearly her dad's all about, like, the Bennies, and her and their mom was all about, like, soft, giving back, love, you know, yeah. what a, the girl, uh, the, the woman. Philanthropic. Yeah, just like, Pursuits. you know, your, your typical, like, I don't know. Typical gender roles in a wealthy couple, I would say. What do you think? I suppose. Like, when you and I make a big stuff, 
when we make it big, you lead all our philanthropic, yeah. philanthropic yeah. Uh, stuff. And I just worry about the other stuff. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, just a normal marriage, guys. Just, just looking out for the welfare of children and dogs. All right. So then she thinks she's getting a surprise party. Mm-hmm. She sees her dad. She's like, oh, my God, I'm getting a surprise party. Yeah. And he's all confused because in his mind, he's like, how does she know about my engagement yeah. party? Well, this is, there's a little bit of a, from the time she meets, we meet Vincenzo at the airstrip to the to this point, you get, this is where they kind of let you know that um, dad, Roger Calloway, is a little bit of an absentee father. Um probably thrown himself into work after the death of his late wife. And he's got this empire to, to maintain. So Vincenzo is, is doing a lot of the heavy lifting as far as parenting goes, it seems like. And, and running the household. Running the household <laughs> yeah. So, so we know that there's something Alyssa's a little bit out of the loop on. Yeah. But now as we have seen this movie and we already did yeah. the, the spoiler no, no, of the you, summary. No, I picked that up. Okay. Good, good, good. Uh, we learned that he's getting engaged and Elisa's, Alyssa's the last to know, yeah. right? Um, then we meet Clarice. Mm-hmm. Very Silence of the Lambs, if you yes. ask me. Um, and she is an absolute monster. You mm-hmm. can tell right away. She's like the stereotypical stepmother figure from the 90s and possibly early aughts, if we're being well, honest. Well, I mean, even further back, like Cinderella and... Yeah, of course. And... Uh, it kind of rem- like this movie walked so the parent trap with Lindsay Lohan could run kind of thing. Like it's the same stepmom vibes, okay. honestly, with the parent trap. Um, and so, so like the dad like balks. He's like, "Oh, the party's not for a few hours," because he doesn't know how to tell her. Yeah, that you know he's getting remarried. And um, anything you have to say about that? Um, I, to me, that went on a little bit long. Is like, come on, he's going to marry this mess. Like, I could tell right away that he was engaged to her. Yeah. yeah, but it's supposed to be a kids' movie, right? Yeah. So you know. Anyway, cut to we are back. At, I think we're supposed to think it's Brooklyn. Is it Brooklyn? Uh, I can't tell. I couldn't remember if it was like Brooklyn or the Bronx, but yeah, uh, some yeah, some kind of like quote rough neighborhood yeah um, one of those boroughs <laughs> that's sort of an implied that sort of like classic new york toughness exactly so amanda doesn't want to go to camp no she hasn't boarded the bus nope. so diane goes and gets her he goes like fine i sent the bus without us anyway and she goes like no you didn't it's like want to bet and amanda goes yeah 50 bucks and he's like well i don't want to bet yeah <laughs> Which is like a really cute dynamic between Yeah, no, they have a good dynamic. Um there's not a lot of space like curse there's not a lot of space for like that Kirstie Alley kind of Kathleen Turner um woman in Hollywood anymore. They don't do that. I mean, you know, back in the old days I would call them like a tough cookie because they could be tough, but they could be vulnerable. Yeah, like a brassy broad, you mean? Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. They just they don't really do that anymore. They should. They should, no, I agree. They really should. Yeah. So they got a really cute uh back and forth going on. Amanda ends up going to camp, which is where she learns about the haunted mansion, Ooh. Ooh. which is, you know, the 
you know, the house across the street from mm-hmm. the lake. And so they say that one camper gets sacrificed on each full moon yeah. um, by the ghost of Lady Calloway. Like, you know, old Lady Calloway, I think they call her, which, you know, rude. I'm pretty sure she was in her 30s when yeah. she passed. <laughs> It's like, I'm an old lady now. Yeah. Old Lady Wilson? I got mistaken for Livy's grandfather last week. Oh, that's true, though. Um, That's a story for... Another time. For uh, our media we've been consuming. Okay, yeah. Like, that's yeah. a digression we want to uh, wait well, until yeah, later we'll to savor, you know? That. Anyway, so, they dare... Amanda, who is famously not afraid of anything. Oh, she's a tough girl. She's a tough girl to go and ring the doorbell at the Callaway house. Meanwhile, uh, uh, Alyssa is learning that her father is getting married for the, you know, she hasn't caught up and so she has to be told, right? And she faints on the spot. Yeah. (laughs) It's very dramatic and I love it and I co-sign all of it. And Clarissa's is like, just leave her alone and whatever. And like the dad's like, but are you sure? She's like, I'm a woman. Trust me. And I'm like, that bitch. I hate her immediately. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, because she has heard, uh, what I didn't mention was that Elisa overheard her saying like, of course, no wonder she's dead. The woman had no taste. I am. I can't wait to redecorate oh, this entire yeah. house. Yeah. And then she, and then Alyssa learns about. The engagement straight after overhearing that. Yeah. So of course she's like, you know, throws a little bit of tantrum and faints, which I mean, Alyssa girl understood. Yeah. I would have done the exact uh, thing. Alyssa and Amanda. Yes. Are confronted with many, many um, life-altering events. Events and handle them in, in stride pretty well, more or less. Yes. Over the course of this movie. So. What she decides after her dad doesn't, like, pay her enough attention, right, Mm -hmm. is that she is going to run away and be an orphan. Because why not? Why not? She has been um, with, uh, like, using her telescope, seeing how, what camp is like. Yeah. So she feels like that is fun also. So she just, like, she's like, I'm just going to run away. The beauty of this, uh, the way that they set up these scenes is that they are wearing overalls yes they're different overalls but like not like adults are paying that much attention Mm -hmm. and the same color shirt yeah when they do this so because i was like i wonder how they're gonna pull this off because they're not dressed the same you know that resolved itself you know i've seen this movie before it's just been like 20 years since the last time um anyway so while one of them runs away the other one is uh (laughs) is doing the dare which is like ring the doorbell Mm -hmm. And who should find, who, sh- who should open the door if not Vincenzo? Vincenzo, yeah. And Vincenzo's like, oh, there's our little orphan girl, like, trying to be, like, all cute. And Amanda's like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> How did he know? <laughs> so he, like, brings her in, takes her upstairs, and that's where she sees the portrait of Amanda. And there's, yeah. like, a Twilight Zone Very orange-looking portrait. It was not a flattering portrait. <laughs> funny it's not i'm sorry it's not very flattering no um anyway cut to a scene of the kids outside being like she's probably eating her liver now (laughs) do you think one camper's enough i mean what if she's still hungry like it's just beautiful yeah just kids being kids right and uh anything else for that um 
No, I did like the needle drop from the Georgia Satellites. I hadn't thought about them in many, many years. All right. The Hippie Hippie Shake song. All right. So, Alisa is found by Diane in the woods. Mm-hmm. And taken to a camp as a normal camper. Oh, wait. Have they met in the woods yet? Not yet. Okay. As a normal camper. And then uh, events in both sides, right? The camp and the mansion uh, spook them enough so they just run. Oh, that's right. Towards, like, uh, Amanda towards camp, Alyssa towards the house, and they smash into each other. Which was beautifully done, I must add. And this, to me, is where the movie could have gone off in a completely different direction. What do you mean? How terrifying would it be to you, for you to be in the woods and meet <laughs> an ident- a complete stranger who is identical to you? Oof. That is the premise of a horror movie. Yeah, it's like a – or like is it the changeling, you know, like – that. That is something off the No Sleep Reddit. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But they take it in stride. They do really well with it. You know what they say? Kids are very resilient. Yeah, I would lose my shit. So they confide on each other in each other about like their struggles, right? Mm-hmm. And Amanda's like, "Girl, I got you. I've driven away so many adults." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which is so cute. I mean, she doesn't say that specifically. Yeah, I'm just paraphrasing. Um, and so they hatch a plan. To meet at the stables the next day to switch back, but sure. that Amanda would be a guest at the engagement yeah. <laughs> party, and she would go as Alyssa, and Alyssa would continue being Amanda. We get to Amanda pretending to be Alyssa. Mm-hmm. The hairdresser cannot go into the room. It's a mess. Yeah. And Vincennes is like, kid, like, this is very unlike you. Mm-hmm. She's playing... Uh, she's playing bowling with her like china dolls. Yeah, like it's as pins. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and the ha- hairstylist says, "I am a hairstylist, not a zookeeper." So we, you know, they- <laughs> hairstylist looks suspiciously like um Eric Longstreet from Modern Family, although it's not him. I know, right? He did look a lot like him. Cut to the mess hall at the camp. Mm-hmm. And Elisa is having her first ever sloppy joe, yeah, which is also Amanda's favorite. And she's devouring with gusto. And Diane's like, of course you like it, kid. That's your favorite. She's like, oh, yeah, uh, this mushy burger thing. She's like, also known as a sloppy joe. Oh, yeah, sloppy joe. How could I forget? Like, it's just cute. What what does a sloppy joe taste like? I've never had one in my life. Okay, guys. um, uh, This is a note for me later. I'm going to have to make sloppy joes for dinner yeah. at some point. Yeah. Our high school, our, our cafeteria in school made them, but they smelled horrible and, you know. No, I'll make you a good sloppy joe. Okay, yeah. Like, I'm not going to buy the candy. Yeah, right? I, I have a whole rationale. Like, I could explain why, you know, it's nobody's fault that they were bad, but. Well, I'm not going to buy the canned, like. The manwich? Yeah, yeah, gross. No, I'll make, I'll make it from scratch. Okay, cool. It'll be nice. Oh, nice. It's just like a ground beef burger, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cut to uh, Amanda eating escargot. Oh, gross. Which is a very cute scene. She plays it really well. It was, I thought it was, I thought. She, I, they, they play it much better than they did in Passport to Paris, yeah, let me tell you. Yeah, I was really, I was really tickled by that scene. It was cute. But she says, this tastes like a balloon. And uh, the, the waiter goes, it's a snail, miss. And she goes, good, nice, chewy. And then she goes, all this money and these people eat slugs? Yeah. 
And I felt seen by that. Yeah. Don't you? I don't know. I'd, I'd give Escargo a try. I am a seven-year-old kid at heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just wonder, how close does your culture have to be to the Malthusian edge that you're like, oh, I'll eat a snail. That's Ew, good. gross. Anyway, Clarice comes to Amanda pretending to be Alyssa, mm-hmm. and she says that she wants them to play. She wants her to play something, and Alyssa goes, "Whatever did you have in mind? Checkers, dodgeball." <laughs> It's just so cute. And uh, Clarice goes, no, no, dear girl. And then Muff, she says, Muffy was referring to the piano. Um, so Alyssa's like, fine, fuck you. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, it's just, it's funny. Like those old money, you, you know, sort of patrician types kind of expect us to take them very seriously on matters. And they do shit like name their daughters Muffy. Yeah, gross. And there's like a... A joke later, it's like he marries guys, the girls like Candy, Muffy, yeah, but you know, like those like little names. Yeah. Um, so Clarice makes this entire declaration of like she's gonna play the piano, and Alyssa tells her like, "Listen, bitch, I can't play the piano. You, you there's no way." Mm-hmm. And Clarice says. If you embarrass me in front of these people, I'll make sure that you never play anything ever again. Have I made myself clear? And Alyssa goes, clear as glass. And Amanda, go- as Alyssa goes, clear as glass. And she like takes her uh, escargot and drops it into her champagne flute mm-hmm. before going into the piano, which is, again, chef's kiss yeah. of a move as a child. I'm sure as Olivia grows older, I don't think it's going to be as much as left chest kiss, uh, you know, those kind of moves, but I hope, sh- I hope I don't give her reasons to do things like Yeah, that. I don't see you feeding her escargot anytime soon. I I wouldn't eat it myself. Why would I yeah. give it to my daughter? Yeah. Come on. Then we have a scene where Roger's like, you think my daughter's asking for a little bit of attention? And Vincenzo says, I think she's demanding it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because Alyssa, you know, played a, the piano horribly and like did a whole mess in front of everyone. Okay. So then we've got Amanda as Alyssa, Alyssa uh, playing something. Yeah. Which is uh, charades. Now, everyone's like, it's so weird. Alyssa, uh, Amanda's never scared of anything. Mm-hmm. And yet here she is. So that's when the campers start thinking like something's off. Yeah. But but like the the most interesting part of this entire subplot of the campers like seeing how different Alyssa and Amanda are when they switch places is that they're not the ones to ever put the pieces together. Yeah. Like it never really goes anywhere. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just meant to show us that kids see things adults can't. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think kids probably have a have a better grasp on her sort of behaviors because you know kids sort of mask a little bit for adults you have to ask you know when you're a little kid you know you have to act a certain way around the adults you're not you're a little bit more free around your 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 contemporaries Mm, true true well then cut to a scene where roger is talking uh to amanda slash Alyssa, and he is like hey we need to talk about something and she goes whatever about and 
he goes, Clarice, and she makes gagging sounds. So <laughs> he's trying to be like the good boyfriend yeah. in this, and but still be a father. Yeah. Um, and she like tells him straight up, you have it, you know, like that's another sort of movie ar- archetype that feels dis- disappeared. That sort of Steve Gutenberg sensitive male kind of kind of guy. Yeah. So, Katu scene. In, like, full moonlight at the camp, the boys are trying to figure out what happened to Amanda mm-hmm. slash Alyssa. Uh, they go, they're like, look, it's the full moon. Let's see what's going on. And I guess they put a toad in Amanda's cabin. Yeah. And the toad is, like, under the covers and, like, scares Amanda. Yeah. And they go, see, that's not a that's not Amanda. She's, like, not scared of anything. When I was a boy, I was also convinced that that girls were completely scared of toads because I refused to touch them. I think they're, I thought they were absolutely disgusting. <laughs> Cut to a scene where Diane is like comforting, comforting Alyssa slash Amanda and telling her like, a toad, a frog, huh? Well, you know what? You should have kissed it. Uh, I might have turned out to be Prince Charming. And she goes, ew, gross. And she goes, not for you, for me. And uh, Amanda says, you've kissed, kissed a frog? No, totes are my specialty, says Diane. Yeah. It's so cute. And then we hear about, like, Diane's whole, like, it's got to be that can't eat, can't sleep, can't, you know, kind of love. Yeah, yeah. I think we also, like, had it earlier. I, yeah, yeah, back in back in the orphanage when she's sort of putting Amanda to, to bed. Okay. Or no, t- I think they were talking about going to camp. Anyway, there was... Anyway, cut to uh, the next day. We have the the girls, Alyssa and Amanda, at the stables, going to switch around again to have you know to return the order and balance to mm-hmm. their world. And you know, Clarice is gone to the city for one week. Alyssa is bummed out that Amanda didn't get rid of Clarice forever. Yeah. So then. We know that the we know that their wedding is going to be in a month. It's slated to be in a month. Mm-hmm. So they decide to keep the charade going for longer because all they need is to they come to the realization he just needs to meet Diane because Diane is perfect for him. Yeah. And he is perfect for Diane. Yeah. And then, you know. All the problems would be solved. This is the first of two movies where they have played matchmaker for a father. Which yes. makes me wonder if they missed out on a promising career as little matchmakers. Ooh, the tiniest matchmakers. Also, when I was I was researching this, did you know that Yenta is just a Yiddish given name and not actually the name for a matchmaker? Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Didn't know that. There you go. So. Making sure my little quips are culturally sensitive. Look at you. Okay, so I'm Billboard Dad. The Olsen twins playing, you know, twins. Mm -hmm. Take out the billboard. Yeah. To, like, force a match. But in this movie, it takes two. They get on horses. Yeah. So they get uh, Diane to get on a horse and Roger get on a horse. And they then suddenly the twins, the the, not the twins, the identical strangers, I should say. (laughs) disappear from the parental unit and 
they don't seem to mind as much. Yeah, well, Kirsten that was Alley's, that was my main like. Well, Kirsten Alley's horse runs away with her. Well, yes, yes, that's true, but not, but you know, that was yeah uh, an effort by Amanda. Yeah. But like, just seems like they are not so concerned about the children right. that they were with. Yeah. Once they meet each other. And you can tell the horse that runs away with her is not natural distress because his ears aren't pinned back, which to me signifies that this horse is not a method actor. Oh, well, it was trained to do so. <laughs> right. <laughs> Still a very terrifying experience to be on a runaway horse. Oh, I would imagine even a trained one would be like super distressing. So it's like a meet cute of I saved you, whatever. And then he, <laughs> he like is not looking where they're going and like hits his head on a branch and has like a little boo-boo and like falls to the ground and then she saves him. So it's like a, like a saving of each other. Like it's a real nice meet cute. It's really cute. I no no, it's 10 out of 10 other than the fact that they don't seem to be very concerned about where the children are, which is a a thing that recurs through this movie. Yeah, no, honestly, this is like seventies led parenting. This would not happen nowadays. I don't think, or maybe I'm just that much of a helicopter parent. Who knows? Did you just call me a helicopter parent? No, I'm sorry. I was, I, was, I was agreeing with the thing you said right before that and reviewing my notes. I apologize. <laughs> I think between the two of us, I'm more of the helicopter parent. Oh, I know. That's why I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you calling me a helicopter <laughs> <laughs> You? Yeah. Anyway, that's not for the bike. That's for later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And so then she goes, like, she has that, uh, how many fingers here, cowboy? <laughs> he goes, six. And she's holding up three. She's like, ah, close enough. Yeah. Left that quip. And they have lunch. Like, he, you know, she learns who she is. She's like, oh, my God, I've always wanted to meet you. Like, thank you so much for the camp that you, you know, run for the kids. My kids are, like, visiting right now, and it's great. Whatever. And who would call if not Clarice? Oh, yeah. Who? Amanda, okay, so let's backtrack. Amanda is always not without gum in her mouth. So Amanda spit some gum in Clarissa's hair when Clarice left. Yeah. And now Clarice is <laughs> calling from the beauty salon, letting Roger know that his darling daughter spit gum on her hair. And now she's having, like, it's like a whole chaos, destruction, whatever. Yeah. What? When you were growing up, what was your family's method for removing gum from hair? Ice. Ice? Us too, but also peanut butter because the oil in the peanut butter would loosen up the gum. Mm, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It's just that sometimes it's harder to get the, the oil from the peanut yeah. butter out of yeah. your hair. Yeah, out of your hair. Yeah. It's kind of. Yeah, I thought about, yeah, when I saw that like, scene, I was like, girl, you could have used ice yeah. first yeah. before cutting your hair into whatever that was. But I feel like Clarice is not one for half measures. Oh, no. No, 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 no. She, uh, that's how we learn. So anyway, we learn in this meeting that, you know, he bought all the airspace for cell phones when, before yeah. they were a thing. And Oh, and he's like, well, cell phones were previously a thing on Star Trek, which is funny because uh, Kirstie Alley played Lieutenant Savick in uh, The Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Star Trek movie. So she was a Vulcan. Great callback. Thank you. Great callback. Um, and that's when Diane gets the hint and she's like, fuck it, I'm not staying uh, in like the presence of someone who clearly has someone else, yeah. and she has some like she has some self respect is what I'll say mm. about Diane. Yeah, love her, brassy. Ah, I we we need more Diane characters. You're right. Yeah, no, we really do. She exerts a lot of agency. You, you gotta appreciate that. 
Now, the thing is that Roger is then talking to Amanda slash Allie, uh, um, Alyssa, and he's like, no, but you know, Clarice loves kids. And <laughs> Amanda looks at him like, are you fucking kidding me? And she was like, now that I think about it, I don't think I've ever seen her with a kid, but I'm sure she does. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, what? Then we have a scene where Diane is like talking to the uh, other staff members at camp about how she met Robert Calloway, right? Yeah. And how like he was so cute and he's a nice guy. And ugh, I'm just really stupid to have thought that he was available. And one of the counselors says, isn't he? No. And and <laughs> Alyssa slash Amanda goes, it's two. <laughs> and and uh, Diana's like, how would you know? Was he? We-? And she goes, was he wearing a ring? <laughs> and it's like, look, even if he was available, he wouldn't be interested in me. And uh, get guys like him, like girls with food names, cookie, muffin, candy, they don't marry girls like me. And uh, Alyssa slash Amanda says, he did once. <laughs> and <laughs> and Diana's go, what is this, published somewhere? <laughs> like, it's just like, uh, in a lot of ways, the things that I, that took me out sometimes out of the dual star entertainment productions as when we were rewatching it was the fact that like adults didn't push back as much on yeah. the information yeah. that the kids gave them, which is very unrealistic. Yeah. What I like, I, I like this movie has a lot of the same beats as like an adult rom-com. Correct. Um, I feel like movies back then trusted kids a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like in 95 versus 98. <laughs> well, no, but like, like, a, a like now it just seems like movies now, a lot of, kids movies now seem a little bit more cynical and yeah. not all of them but a lot of them seem a lot more cynical about like what kids will well then we have a, the next scene as a scene that mirrors like we have a lot of mirror scenes in mm-hmm. this film and then we have roger talking to vincenzo about the exact same thing that diana was talking to her colleagues about yeah. right so then vincenzo's like i think he was catching the vibes you know he was mm-hmm. like i like this one better than yeah. than clarice um it's like you know just, you know, take a drive and see where you end up. Yeah. And he's like, I know exactly where he's going to end up, mm-hmm. you know, which is in the camp. Enter the next dilemma. Alyssa is there as Amanda. Oh, that's right. And it's the mess hall. And he invites Diane for lunch. And she's like, no, I can't like my kids. It's my kids' turn mm-hmm. to serve lunch. It's mac and cheese, blah, blah. So he stays. And then we have Alyssa slash um, Amanda as Alyssa. So Amanda slash Alyssa. Uh, no, sorry. Yes, Amanda slash. Ugh, I forget how I'm using these interchangeably. Yeah. Anyway, it is Alyssa pretending to be a man. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that she um like causes a diversion, which ends up in a food fight, so that her dad doesn't see her. I, you could see, I could see that food fight coming, and I got really excited because when I was a kid, <laughs> food no, fight. Yeah, <laughs> nothing in the world to me seemed as exhilarating as a food fight, and that was my. And, a huge goal of mine as a child was to be involved in a cafeteria food fight. Never happened. Probably for the best. Anyway, it's just I I always I was always on the lookout for a food fight and never got one either. I, Maybe we should. Uh... Ooh, do you think? I actually went to a party where they they had like a, a childhood party and they had a food fight. That would be fun. Yeah, they they completely covered a room in tarps or plastic sheeting and and had a food fight. It's like Dexter meets your childhood. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. So they end up, well, he, Roger ends up in the lake with shoes, which like, guys. Yeah. The whole time they're cavorting by the lake and it's like, who's who's watching the kids again? The other cap counselors, I imagine. Yeah. So the two, uh, Alyssa and Amanda, are just hiding behind these canoes, spying on the adults, and the adults get closer and closer. Mm-hmm. I mean, first he pretends to drown so that she, like, jumps into the lake for him. Yeah. Which, rude. It was cold. And how we know it's cold, her nips were visible once they were out. Also, Steve Gutenberg had a hot bod. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Kirstie Alley was not... Would today be considered plus size? Which I mean, she looked amazing. Oh, she looked great. It's just how weird our standards have gotten. Also, I I don't think I would consider Christy Alley in this role as plus size, but no, I know no. how Hollywood. Yeah, is. you know how Hollywood is. Just like the same way they considered Jennifer Lawrence, who was literally a size six plus size. Yeah, yeah. Like what the fuck? Craziness, <laughs> insanity. Cut to Clarice. Coming back to the mansion mm-hmm. because that is not no ordinary home. No, and Vincenzo had been spying on his boss mm-hmm. previously and had forgotten to move the telescope. Yeah, so she sees that. Oh shit! Someone's encroaching on my man. Yeah, and we should note this is no ordinary like telescope you'd get at a toy store or something this is a golden yeah yeah this is a brass telescope that it's very fancy (laughs) even also right before then we get like that scene of like bernard the wedding planner and she's like why are you calling me with numbers bernard just like buy it i don't care how much it costs oh yeah yeah and it's like you're not doing yourselves any favors here, lady, no. in terms of, like, well, characterization. The weird thing about that is, is, like, we're getting married in a month. I'm like, this woman, and I, I, I hate to use the term, but this woman is gives in, subtle indications of being a bridezilla. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they really don't play that up as much as they could have. And it's like, it, takes, it would take more than a year to plan the sort of wedding that she would want. You know? That just, I mean, of course she wants to get married to him quick because he's super rich and, you know, she's on the make, but. Yeah. That's when she decides they're moving up the wedding. Yeah. To the next day. How they pull it off, it's only a billion dollar question. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Could you imagine, like, trying to pull off, like, a wedding? Like, no, no, we're getting married tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. When. Or not just, like. You know, oh, we're doing it at we're doing it at the lake house, forever. No, they're in the cathedral. Well, it's it's it, yeah. There's like priests to assemble. Yeah, <laughs> just a lot of yeah. things to do. Yeah. Um, she goes, oh, next month seems like an eternity, and when two people are as much in love as we, I say, what's wrong with tomorrow? Oh, and we should note that that Clarice got all her hair chopped off into a Tammy Wynette haircut. What is that? What do you mean? I don't I don't know that reference. Tammy Wynette. Mm-hmm. She was a, a country singer. Uh huh. For a while there, she had she had that sort of blonde, short blonde haircut. It's it's not a compliment. It was a terrible haircut for Clarice. Okay, so once Alyssa figures out shit, Clarice is back, right? Mm-hmm. She and Amanda concoct a plan to send like notes to the other parent. Oh no, actually, that's before they know Clarice is back. Yeah, because Clarice is the person that uh, makes it so that Amanda can't give it to the to Roger. Um, Hey, meet me here at like 7.30 or whatever. And that's when Alisa, pretending to be Amanda, 
gets taken away by the Buckkiss family because mm-hmm. her adoption has been approved. Yeah. Funny thing about that, in the scene where, where Diane goes to, to the office and only knows she got adopted, here's the paperwork. It's on three-hole punch paper. <laughs> like, like, what kind of, like, did they just have a binder full of adoption papers? Where, where did this come from? Probably binder of adoption papers. Yeah, yeah case managers, yeah. you know? Social services. Okay. Um, and so Diane thinks she's being stood up. Plus, she's lost Amanda in her mm-hmm. eyes. And Amanda needs to go to New York City. And the real Amanda, pretending to be Alyssa, has to go to New York City. And that's when she comes clean to Vincenzo. Yeah. She's like, hey, Vincenzo, you've uh, you've been Alyssa's take- caretaker for all these years. You know all her... Uh, you know, bumps and bruises and freckles, right? And he goes, yeah. And that's when she's like, how about this one, big guy? How about this other one? She's like, oh my God, you are not Alyssa. Yeah. He takes that in stride too. I know. It's it's pretty great. Well, Vincenzo seems like an unflappable sort of guy, but still. So when Diane comes back to camp, thinking she stood up, she's like, low, low, low. And then she learns that Amanda has been um, adopted out. She's mm-hmm. like, how could you do this? Like, she, like, there's like a whole like song and dance about it. And she's like, I'm taking the Jeep. And yeah. like the counselor's like, that's camp property. She's like, okay. I don't fucking We should also care. note that, that <laughs> Diane has dressed up for this meeting. So oh, she's wearing a very yeah. nice black dress. She's wearing a, with a black cardigan. Black cardigan, yeah. On, like, very 90s. Yeah, very 90s, but very nice. She, very she, she nice. Put some, she really put some effort into this. I, she looks, I mean, I think she looks great in every Yeah, yeah. In every scene. Really well. But they dress her really well for that. You know those, like, washed out, like, Levi's that are wearing? Like those yeah. Five, those 90s 501s yeah. sell very briskly on eBay. Really? Yeah, they're considered a bit of a fashion staple now. Well, I'm so, sure. So if you're, you know, the listeners of this podcast, if your parents have those laying around... <laughs> Sell them on eBay. There you go. Make some money. So we learned that like everything is backed up, uh, you know, to get into New York City because of the wedding and like it's a whole thing. And then we see little Alyssa slash Amanda at the Butt Kiss residence. Yes. And we learn that the Butt Kiss have all these kids with B names that mm. they changed. Like she, they even change hers to Betty, but yeah. yes, it's it's giving like um, nineteen kids and counting. Duggars. Yes, it's yeah. giving the Duggars with like their. Except it's a multi multiracial group of children. I. Well, you know, but don't know the quite be. They like they use their like firstborn, like their only like biological, biological child as. As a managing influence on the other kids, therefore creating like a tiered structure of power within the household. Yeah. And so they are also employees of the salvage yard. So yeah. And and the, the Buckus family there in I mean Staten Island, I guess, is is supposed to be considered, you know, sort of an out like it's like an outer borough and it's like supposed to be like unfashionable. Yeah. If you're an inner city kid like Amanda. Um, but they also have that like sort of like stereotypical like vaguely ethnic New York kind of thing you, about them, you know. You know what that re- they reminded me of? Have you ever seen the styling for uh, Danny DeVito and Matilda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that you know what I mean? That same that same thing that I you don't really I, I probably doesn't happen much in movies anymore that, that I've noticed. Okay, so then she tries to tell the Buckkiss, like, "Look, you got the wrong kid," right? Mm-hmm. And they make fun of her. 
Yeah. She's like, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. So once they are in the yard, she finds a telephone, calls up, you know, the residents, gets Alice, uh, uh, Amanda slash pretending to be her, right? Yeah. And they have a debrief until uh, Harry Buckus. Yeah. <laughs> Is it Harry Buckus? I think so. Like, he's the only one that doesn't have a B name, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Is, you know, like, just hangs up the phone for her. And she's like, you're not allowed phone privileges. Mm-hmm. And that's where the kids start making fun of her and, like, bring her a tinfoil tiara and everything. Oh, yeah, and, they make a crown out of an old can and wrap a burlap sack around her and make her sit on a toilet and call it her throne. It's all very cruel. Vincenzo then goes to Diane at the sh- at the orphanage and is like, "Hey, I got I love you know Alyssa back, <laughs> Mrs. Ca- Miss- Mr. Carrie's da- daughter, and um, he won't press charges if you know she gets mm-hmm. to the church." And she's like, "What?" And so then she learns about the deception and the switching, yeah. and then she goes and gets um, she goes to the butt kiss residence, can't find them. A neighbor tells them about the scrapyard. Which also, like, if you were adopting children, shouldn't they interview your neighbors? I would imagine. And, like, the neighbor was real, like, lackadaisical about telling, like, yeah, why do you think they have so many kids? Because, like, whatever, whatever. Yeah, like, free labor. Free labor. So I, I would think I, maybe this is just a movie about how how social services fails children yeah. sometimes. Maybe so. <laughs> anyway, um... Vincenzo tells her, like, don't worry. If you ever get into trouble, call this number. She finds uh, Amanda. Well, she knows that Amanda's at the scrapyard, but mm-hmm. the Jeep. Alyssa's at the scrapyard, but the Jeep fails. So then she calls the number. She And then she gets a helicopter. Of course. Naturally. Naturally. The helicopter lands in Central Park. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> you know, New York geography is not very good at all, but especially here, like, how close is Central Park? to this cathedral i know was this an improvement i don't think i don't know anyway excuse me i'm sorry well i don't know if it's an improvement or not right yeah but what i do know is that they land in central park the wedding is happening uh we've got amanda as Alyssa putting one petal down at a time yeah (laughs) as a flower girl yeah (laughs) which honestly if in at my wedding uh Jackie was our yeah. flower girl. Yeah. If Jackie had done that, I would just la- bust out laughing. Like, yeah. there's, I mean, were you ever a flower girl? Yeah, I was. Oh, yeah, for yeah, for a few people. Yeah, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. More than one repeat performance. You yeah. must have been good at it. That, or you know, I was the only child. They <laughs> yeah, <knew. right. laughs> it's like I was about the, the right age, you yeah. know, for that. Anyway, so we've got the flower girl trying to stall as much as possible. The bride freaking the fuck out. Mm-hmm. You know. And right, so let's are off to do. And one of the big tales here is she has lipstick on her teeth. Oof. Which is a detail I always like in movies. I two or three examples I can think of are the like the teeth that are can or like sort of like an indicator of like moral rot or like or you know something's amiss. Or like you look great on the surface, but like exactly. when you when yeah. you look a little closer, yeah. you see the the like hints of terribleness, <laughs> you know? So uh Alyssa and Diane commandeer like a, a a carriage in Central Park yeah. to take them, and those seem very romantic until you find out about all the uh, animals oh, involved, the abuse involved, which is why I've never taken you on one. I never asked for you. To. I know, I know, but it's just supposed to be romantic, and yeah, I don't, I don't 
That's not my idea of romance. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, that's not my love language. Yeah, I know. Now, Prada. <laughs> Gucci, Chanel, yeah. Louis Vuitton, Christian Louboutin. Christian Louboutin. You know, those are more more my speed. Yeah, it's your, it's your thing. Anyway, that being said, so Clarice, like, literally sprints down the aisle like she's breaking a world record mm-hmm. within a wedding dress. Yeah. And her fa- poor father dragging him. Like, he, like she... She's like the worst, yeah, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, she says, I do. And right at the moment that Roger is thinking about whether or not he wants to like hitch his, you know, carriage to this cop mess, in walks Diane mm-hmm. and the, you know, the real Alyssa. Yeah. And he says he can't, he can't marry her. He can't do it. So he, she tries. She tries, she slaps him, right? Mm-hmm. Then she tries to hit Amanda. Yeah. He doesn't let her. And then once it's like. Vincenzo stops her and says, if you try anything, I'll pop you a good one. And I was like, Vincenzo would not lay his hand, put his hands on a woman. They did my man dirty with that line. Well, you know, extenuating circumstances, I will say. Yeah. I would never really hit anyone, but if they tried to hit Ollie, I would. Yeah. I would get in a fist fight, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Uh, Man, woman, whoever. Do you ever Ma- think about which founding father you'd most like to fight? No, Seth. Is that your Roman Empire? No, my Roman Empire is a Polynesian expansion across the South Pacific. It's, <laughs> it's fascinating to me. <laughs> All right. So then uh, she walks down the aisle, tries to hit Alyssa, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Diane doesn't let it happen, right? And she goes, I've never been this humiliated in my life. And Alyssa goes, wanna bet? And so she <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she like steps on the the skirt of the train, the, yeah. the, the skirt of, of the dress, the train of the dress, and she rips it, leading us to learn that she's wearing granny panties under that, guys. And also like like stockings. The garters. And this is another area is like there's a little bit of PG cursing in this. Yes. And then there's like you see a woman's underwear in this. So there's another. It's like they used to trust kids a little bit more with this sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Well, of course, now you'd have some like Beardo making a video in his truck with front facing camera talking about how this was grooming. But, um, you know, they just used to, they used to trust kids more. Anyway, they, uh, the, they meet again, you know, Roger and Diane, and uh, they go, I guess we're even. She goes, like, what do you mean? You saved my life. And Diane says, I'm sorry about spoiling the party. I just didn't want the wrong girl to go down the aisle. I mean, I mean the wrong flower girl. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, I think you got it right the first time. Yeah. And it was so cute. And yeah. so then he ends up, like, buying the... Buying out the carriage uh, so that the horse can have a home in the country because yeah. it was the horse that, you know, the saved him saved, from... Saved this horse from a life of cruelty. And, you know, the horse also saved him yeah. from a life of cruelty. Mm-hmm. Let me say that. And the girls go, told you, third time's the charm. Because it's like the third time they meet and they kiss oh, and whatever. Yeah. It's really cute. And they go... Roger goes, well, ladies, what do you have to say for yourselves? And... They go, so kiss already. 
And that's it. And that's it. Yeah. And that's our. Uh, this movie is a real charmer. I have to agree with you. I I really enjoyed it. This is this is my new favorite Olsen Twins movie. You heard it first. Yeah. Here first from the from the white man himself. Yeah. Usually, we would um, have our white man's corner yeah. in this But I've been right popping moment. off all episodes, so. So you're, you're here. Yeah. Let's go to our Feminism 101, a pass-fail course. Uh, does this movie pass the Bechdel test? I personally think it does, like, on a technicality. Because, I mean, not a technicality. Actually, the you know, it's like Amanda's looking for a home. Mm-hmm. And she talks about other things that are not like, they're not talking about boys they like. Yeah. Maybe they are getting, they are getting involved in adult romantic matters, but it's not necessarily all about like the man. Do you know what I mean? And Diane also talks about other things that are not like men and romance. Yeah. Also, does the Bechdel test? I don't think the Bechdel test has anything to do with romance. It's more about like centric no, man in the narrative. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. You know, so I don't think that's it the case at all. What, what yeah. about you? Yeah, uh, it's been a while since I've been any Bechdel, but I think you're right. Anyway, Seth, do you have any favorite girl power scenes in this movie? Uh. I mean, pretty much anything Diane does is cool with me. Right? Like, she's, she's like the a, big bad of this. Like, yeah, big she, badass. Not yeah, no, she's, bad a, yeah she's, she's, she's a force to be reckoned with. I think the, the part I liked the most about Diane is not necessarily one specific scene, but, like, how she was trying to remain positive and upbeat for Amanda's sake. Yeah. Um, and also trying to... Um, Make sure that Amanda wasn't being um, adopted out to someone less worthy than yeah. herself. I yeah. guess. Um, what do you well, think? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and Diane's like, she's vulnerable, but she's never weak. You know. Yeah. And and she, she's a strong advocate for herself and her charge. In this case, Amanda. I agree with you. So, so that's that's some good girl power. I think when she was ta- like every time she gives like Roger shit mm-hmm. is my favorite girl power scene. Yeah, <laughs> they had really good chemistry. That was like adult rom com chemistry. You know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, but like obviously there's like no like sex. Although a lot of rom coms didn't have sex. No, no. Uh, or ki- a lot of rom coms have like what they call like either closed door sex, which is like you don't see it. It's yeah, implied. It's implied. Or it's like not like for example, I never been kissed. It was like there was just a kiss at the end of the movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which like I kind of miss a little bit in rom coms, where it's like the kiss is like like a start of their other journey. It's not, yeah, or you know, or they come back together, but they're I don't know, I, I don't I don't know why I I think either the impl- like sometimes. Even on-screen sex is okay. I mean, it's okay, whatever you got want to do, obviously, as, uh, as like a filmmaker or whatnot. But sometimes if it doesn't add anything to the story, it, it's just there. Yeah. It's just like a scene that you could throw away probably. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, this didn't have any like characters to crush on in no. terms of like the girls. Yes. But I have a full-on crush on both uh, Roger and Diane and yeah. their chemistry. Yeah, they're great. Like, I'm like, yes. Yeah, they're great. 
I loved Vincenzo too. Vincenzo's great. Yeah. Like he was like like a cool supporting character that I wish had had like his own story yeah. arc. Well, you know? there's so much like so much about him is implied like you could imply like a whole backstory, like these is like really kind of old school Italian guy that yeah. has like this real really interesting like code of honor and you know like sort of sense of like propriety that's that's kind of down to earth yeah okay so let's talk fashion okay um in this movie obviously we we have like the olsen twins uh wardrobe yeah but i'd like to expand it to include the adults obviously because you know i think a lot of things are cute for kids and not for adults yeah yeah so what would you wear Back then and today, maybe I well, guess. Well, back then, definitely the definitely those washed out Levi's. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Um, definitely I wore those a lot. Now I prefer a darker washing, and I like to you know break them in on my own. Okay. Um, but I can't really think of anything I, that I saw that I would wear. I do like that the orphan boys all look like content, like current day modern uh, music bloggers who I would read <laughs> and trust. <laughs> R.I.P. Pitchfork. Ooh. And a winter, my man. Yeah, God. Anyway, she, terrible person. Alert. Uh, she's a real Clarice, if you ask me. Yeah. So, fashion wise, I really enjoyed like all the little like overalls. Yeah, no, those are great. Uh, for something about kids in overalls, is and sometimes even adults in overalls. Yeah, you know yeah, me. Yeah, you know I. You, you wear overalls well. Yeah, I, I love a good overall. Like, especially if I'm doing stuff around the house, yes. However, when I wear overalls, it looks like something racist is about to happen. And that's why you're not allowed. That's why I don't wear overalls. <laughs> um, well, either that or it looks like I could fix a car, and I don't know shit about cars. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Neither of us does. Yeah. I have to Google everything. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I really liked that outfit they put on Diane slash Christy Alley in... When they uh, were supposed to meet. Yeah, no, she's got some good fits. Yeah, and like she had like a lot of like pullover sweaters mm-hmm. with V-necks that were really nice. Yeah. And yeah. Looking for, you know, mm-hmm. for a woman. Um, Steve Gutenberg wears some horrible 90s clothes. You know who wore the worst clothes is Clarice. Clarice, yeah. She had this like suit for the engagement mm-hmm. no, right right before the engagement or right after i don't remember like the one that had like little like pleats like fanned pleats around her boobs oh yeah it's like when we first meet, meet her. her yeah she's like wearing she, that it's terrible it's like, it, it was like fan, it was like a it it was like if you pleated something and fanned it across her boob area it was so weird it's like if you told like told uh um like a very mid uh wedding dress designer what if xena was getting married you know the warrior princess, but make it make it upscale. Yeah, yeah. And beige. Yeah, and beige. oatmeal, oatmeal beige. Yeah, it was it was not good, guys. Really it was bad. so bad. Um, does this movie t- step? I'm sorry. Let me go back <clears throat> now for the final question before we get to our media we've been consuming in our mm-hmm. Back to the Future segment. Does this movie? It takes two. Yeah. To, uh, stand the test of time. Absolutely. I I think, like, obviously there are elements of this movie that would have to be modernized, right? Yeah. Like, the, I mean, cell phones are still a thing, obviously, but, like, there's more, like, like personal computer mm-hmm. elements, the internet, like, obviously. Well, like, a lot of movies of the past, if you were to 
transport them directly to the modern time, it would take about 15 minutes because they'd all text each other and work it out. Yeah, but there's always a way to, like, prolong that. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, if you're good enough mm-hmm. as a writer, I hope, yeah. you can learn how to, you know, make it so that it's not as easy as texting, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, but I really think that this could either remain be, like, almost a classic or be remade pretty easily. Yeah. It, I mean... This is not a. This is not a, a dual star. No, flying solo. This is this is a. I think a Rylance Films production. I yeah. We should have talked about that. So the the, the production value is a lot higher. What you'd get from a Hollywood studio instead of the kind of the dual star thing. Um, but it just had that like, like the eighties nineties movie energy. You know, where like mid tier movies that weren't supposed to be the big blockbuster, but they still. Put you know some time and care into them, like like you know Touchstone movies, the Disney's imprint Touchstone that did a lot of family movies of that of this nature. Like it just, I don't know. To me, it was it just really kind of captured a very specific kind of movie that Hollywood just doesn't doesn't make anymore because they're you know they're kind of all about tent poles. Yeah, it was giving like Little Rascals. It was giving yeah, like yeah. um uh the, the- Curly Sue. Well, there's like a movie about I think so, uh, the Little Giants. Yeah, I remember Little Giants. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it's kind of that kind of kids movie, you yeah. know, in the '90s. Um, the Sandlot. Sandlot, yeah, Sandlot was good. Even though it was set in the '50s, but it's that same feel of like trusting kids with more. Yeah. Than. Yeah, trusting them. To, yeah. To give them a little more, like bigger glimpses into sort of the adult world. Yeah. Which I think is where a lot of, for me, a lot of the dual star movies kind of fail is that like their attempts at doing that or or they try to go like more meta and and it just, it always falls flat and Helene's going to get mad at me because we're going to bring that whole thing up again. So we'll just, we'll just drop <laughs> just it there. continue. Okay, okay. You want a little, a little bit of personal lore about me and a 90s family movie? Go ahead. I had a huge, age appropriate because we're the same age, crush on Curly Sue. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so much so that when I was in college, I tried to book her band at my friend's punk record store. Seth Wilson. I know. You could have been married to her. Uh, I don't know. Really not. I don't think they. I, I don't think they played outside of L.A. too much. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for that. A uh, bit of trivia. Speaking of trivia, let's yeah. talk about the media we've been consuming. Okay. All right. So, Seth, what have you been consuming lately? I am still sort of columbusing my way through a lot of Spanish language indie rock. Okay, like what? Uh, right now, Milenas. Uh, I think they're Chilean. They're really great. And they describe themselves as sort of a um, combination of kraut rock and shoegaze. Okay. Um, they specifically use kraut rock, although I like the German version of that. Cosmic I think that's more fun. Cosmic music. Um, I'm really into them. Um I, I'm not even writing these bands' names down because I just the Spotify, yeah, it just keeps the algorithm. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like stop. It's too much, but it's so good I can't stop. So, all right. So I've been watching this uh, French series named uh, Astrid uh, on Amazon Prime under the I think it's the PBS channel that also has like a like almost like an I'm gonna say it the book term and then you can tell me an imprint of it that has that's like international 
Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's called Walter Presents. So it's a okay. PBS channel on Amazon Prime and okay. it has like a subcategory, right? Oh, so this uh, show, I'm already on season three, is following a records, um, per, like a person who works in the in the records department, the criminal records department. She is autistic. Her name is Astrid. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the show. Um, and she meets the commandant of the crime squad and she the commandant asks for like a specific crime file and she brings her like related files Mm -hmm. that she kind of cross-referenced had the same mo same perpetrator that no one could have like put together Mm -hmm. and so that blossoms into a working relationship with some you know, kinks in the working relationship because of the uh, neurotypical and neurodivergent, like, clashes. Mm-hmm. But they do it so elegantly and, like, it's never really done, I don't think, with any malice. Um, as someone who is on the spectrum herself, I see a lot of myself reflected on screen. Ast- the character of Astrid, the way it's characterized, sometimes gives me a little pause, to be honest with you. Okay. Because it... Uh, Sometimes the awkwardness seems a little exaggerated to me, to my yeah. to my eye, but they also do a really good job of, um, in this world they're building, uh, creating a support group for Astrid that she goes to at least once a week, mm-hmm. where we see other people on the spectrum and see how she might be a little, you know, more like awkward in, in, in her movements. And odd, like, to look at, I guess. But these other people are, again, it's a spectrum, right? Like, mm-hmm. some, like the person who leads it is someone more like myself, right? That is not as aw- awkward as Astrid, who is more of, um, I would say, a stereotypical interpretation of someone yeah. on the spectrum, on the functional end still. But anyway, it has been... A, 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 a transformative almost experience for me or like a trans like I am transported obviously it's like gr- like great to suspend obviously your sense of belief um in, in that moment and it's I don't know I, I feel like I feel conflicted about it obviously because it's like yeah well but not one experience is a hundred percent experience like I remember like we watched love on the spectrum and at first I liked it and then I was kind of like thinking the more I thought about it I, I thought it was a little exploitative mm-hmm. because it is a reality tv show and this if it is exploitative it doesn't feel in the same ilk because it is fiction yeah no I haven't done a deep dive on the cast right so I don't know if they cast an actual person on the spectrum mm-hmm. for the role of Astrid and the other neurodivergent or people on the spectrum on the cast but it is Despite whether or not they are on the spectrum, it is one of the only shows where I have seen more than one person on the spectrum be part of the story. Oh, cool. So it's not just like a tokenization yeah. of it. And um, it's also pretty diverse cast, I feel oh, like. That's cool. um, even for France, I guess. Like the Commandant, for example, is like a plus size woman. Oh. I, I, and not in the way that we think of plus size yeah. women like Christy Alley, but in like a a way of like she's like at least a size twelve in American yeah. fashion, um, and she's brassy and bold and brash, just like the thing that you were talking yeah. about how you wanted the characters to be. Yeah. So I think that you would enjoy it. So. Oh, nice. You know, and, um, 
we, we kind of talked about Chrissy Alley's weight and that that was a, a very public part of her life. Yeah. Struggling like, you know, she she did the uh, fictional show about her struggle with weight. She had a reality show about it. She was a spokesperson for a weight loss program that was connected to Scientology. Mm-hmm. And um, she also, I think, did Jenny Craig. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you have to give it to her for this, but but she was a Scientologist and an ardent Trump supporter. Ugh. And those two things don't feel like they go together to me. And to me, that's what's amazing about people. Like the human brain can make these sorts of leaps. Yes. And and jumps and, and reconcile with seemingly opposite things. And I mean, it's just like we all contain multitudes. And that's just what makes the human condition so fascinating to me. I've always felt really sad about Christy Alley's like um, struggle with weight because it's yeah. like public. Uh, similar to I mean, Oprah's, she, uh, it, she definitely Christy Alley de- definitely tried to own it. Yeah, well, but in the same way, like Oprah tries to own it too. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I, I get it. Like they're rich; they were rich ladies with like immense wealth and privilege and mm-hmm. everything it afforded them. And it's still like weight; it's still something that they struggled with. Yeah. And so, as someone who also has struggled with her weight most of her life, even when I was definitely skinny and didn't think I was. <laughs> it's just fucked up, right, in our society. Yeah. And I see the resurgence of heroin chic come back as like a an advertising mechanism yeah. that is going to be impacting countless of girls mm-hmm. throughout the world. I'm just not here for it. No, it's, it's, it's not good. And like, yeah, a lot of people are like, woohoo, they have all the money. Why don't they? Whatever. But it's like, it's not that simple. No. Weight never is. No. Well, and people should feel comfortable in their own bodies. Yeah. And we shouldn't make them feel like shit. No. To sell them things. No. And on that note, (laughs) see you next time. Yeah. (laughs) Terrible, evil, anti-human system. I'm not going to say see you next Tuesday because we only see you next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. (laughs) Anyway, with all that being said, as the poets of NSYNC gently told us in the early aughts, bye bye bye! Growing Up Millennial is an independent entertainment podcast hosted and produced by Helene Karp and Adrian Wilson. Our conversations in every episode fall under Section 107 of the Copyright Act, identifying criticism and comment of copyrighted material as examples of activities qualifying as fair use. Helene Karp manages our social media. Adrian Wilson edits our audio and does all our graphics. You can let us know your thoughts by emailing us at gummypod at gmail.com. That is G-U-M-M-Y-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at gummypod. And we are also a newsletter. Go check us out at gummypod.substack.com. 